This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion, addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at standupwithatruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning into this edition of Stand Up For The Truth. We are talking today about the right to life, liberty, work, and worship particularly in the United States of America. I've got a very special guest coming up in a minute. Father in heaven, thank you for allowing us to talk about important subjects, especially your truth, life, human life, and how you value every life, Lord God. Give us your heart for human life, Lord. Let us be truth proclaimers and defenders and help us to fight for every life and help us to spread the word, Lord, and get more people involved in this battle and also for religious freedom that we take for granted so much in this country. But now I think with our backs up against the wall, Lord, we are seeing um, you are separating people, really, and we want to be um, about your business, and I know your business is about truth and life and salvation through Jesus. So help us, Lord. Focus on what you want us to do in these days, these crazy times in our country. We trust you in all things, and we pray that you'd guide our conversations today, encourage the hearts that need to be encouraged, and we ask for your strength and your wisdom more and more uh, every day, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are so blessed uh, to have Heather Weininger from Wisconsin Right to Life uh, to talk about some very important issues. I want to get an update from Heather. We've got Jelaine Appling coming up later on in the podcast this morning. So, uh, Heather, welcome back to Stand Up for the Truth. Well, thank you so much for having me. You know, I'm not with you in studio, but I certainly am glad to be with you uh, through, through the phone. Yes, well, we'll get you in studio next time. I know travel has been kind of restricted, and really it's been flipped upside down since this whole COVID-19 thing uh, took place a couple months ago. But uh, want to just start right off. We haven't talked to you in, gosh, it's been several months. And uh, in fact, I talked to Robia Scott a few months ago, got an update from her. She was in the Unplanned movie. What's been going on with Wisconsin Right to Life? Can you give us a little update, some bullet points? Absolutely. Well, we haven't closed our doors. Uh, so we are one of those essential businesses where we've, uh, we might not all be in the office together working, but we've uh, been continuing our legislative efforts. Uh, we have been working to ensure women who face pregnancies that were unplanned and are, are in a crisis that they have the funding that they need to have that apartment they need, fix mm. the car so they can get to their doctor's appointments and their job. And I'll, I'll tell you um, how, how that's changed quite a bit from years past, uh, maybe a little bit later. But, sure. um, you know, we're also trying to figure out how do we still operate and share with those who believe the way we do our message and those women who need to hear from us mm. that lo- there's an alternative to abortion? Now, technology has been on our side for quite some time at Wisconsin Right to Life, and we're using it to our advantage. We know that women go into a, a Planned Parenthood clinic and they are seeing a video from 123givelife.com that offers them an alternative to abortion. So one, two, right three, give life? That's it. That's it. That's our website where anyone can go. It's always operational. You type in your zip code and you find a pregnancy resource center that's located near you instead of an abortion clinic. Awesome. So, so uh, you, how long have you been the executive director there, Wisconsin Right to Life oh, and Veritas Society? It is going on six years this summer. Wow. I know. <laughs> that Where goes that by fast, go? huh? <laughs> it sure does. It sure does. But you know, when you're, when you're doing a job that you love, like, you know, you're passionate about it. it. It's not like you're going to work every day, but it's truly a blessing and a calling for me. Mm. Well, we are thankful that uh, we can have you on to speak about uh, this important topic and about events you have coming up. Now you typically, you guys go from uh, city to city, um, I think I saw you guys in Green Bay. I think the last couple of years you've got your Veritas Society events now, but now you're going virtual, at least for the next couple. I see you have one, of course, well, tonight there's one with Sean Spicer, and uh, then, of course, uh, Eau Claire, uh, June 2nd, Waukesha has been postponed. But can you tell us about what's happening tonight, and can people still get involved? 
Absolutely, absolutely. Up until 4 o'clock, uh, people can register online at www.rtl.org under our events. Um, there's a link. And it's our largest fundraiser of the year. Last year, we had 1,500 people join us in Milwaukee for this event. Wow. And it funds all of our education programs um, through, throughout uh, the year. So um, when, when all of this happened, I, I kind of talked with our staff and I said, you know, we can't close our doors. We're not closing our doors. We should keep moving forward. Technology is available. Let's do it a virtual event. And Sean Spicer has been amazing with us uh, and working with us on this virtual event. I, I have to tell you, I've learned a lot about technology <laughs> and how this works. Um, but the resources are out there. We're looking forward to coming into people's homes. Very different than anything we've ever done before. Yeah. But they're going to hear, you know, the great message of the work that we're doing at Wisconsin Right to Life, why their support matters, and how we, we keep move, moving forward through these times that we're in. So that's Sean Spicer, and he's going to be speaking. It's the 2020 Education Fund Dinner and Auction um, tonight. Um, one of the things you do at Wisconsin Right to Life to save precious children is expose the lies of the abortion industry. Let's talk a little bit about that. People still need to hear the facts, Heather, because, as you know, the public schools and uh, academia and the, the liberal media, they're all pretty one-sided. You will not hear the truth from a pro-life perspective and saving lives because they don't value life the way we do. They value, quote, choice. So can we talk about the importance of exposing really what Planned Parenthood does and compare that to women's health or crisis pregnancy centers that are trying to save lives and, and what you do? Absolutely. And I'll say this, Wisconsin Right to Life has a yearly theme. And this year we went big and bold. Our theme is kill the lies not the child. Yes. And, and, you know, our whole work right now is to to tell people what you're being told by those who believe abortion is the only answer is not true. It's not true that you can't go to college, have an education, and have a baby at the same time. It's not true that that baby growing inside of that woman is just a clump of cells. It's not true that it's better to have an abortion than bring a child into circumstances that, you know, might be difficult. But killing a child is not taking away the problem. And our goal is to walk through these lies, expose them, and offer all the alternatives. And the biggest alternative that we need to continue to tell women who find themselves in a, price, like a crisis pregnancy is there's something other than Planned Parenthood. Mm. There are pregnancy centers throughout the state of Wisconsin who are there to help. They're there to give you guidance, the alternative. They're there to help you through this pregnancy, through parenting classes, mm. through through diapers for your children, through so much more than what anyone is going to see out in the media. And most people know, most of our listeners understand Planned Parenthood does receive federal funding to the tune of something something like $535 million. And their revenue is over a billion, and yet they receive our tax dollars. Um, Wisconsin Right to Life, do you guys get any government government money or funding? No, we are all privately funded, nothing from the government. And that's why these events, the Veritas Society events and other things, um, are important. And by the way, if you can't make any of the events, they're virtual events for the next probably couple months, maybe. It will, you know, if you want more information, just go to wrtl.org slash events. But uh, people can donate on your website, correct? Absolutely. There's a, a big old donate button there. And we have several funds that you can donate to. You know, everyone's passionate about different causes within the work that we do. Uh, and each part of what we do is important to saving a life. And, and every day, that's our goal. We are doing all we can to save a life. Um, can you clarify something with me? I was kind of surprised that... Um I'm, I'm, the word essential really bugs me these days because who is to say what businesses are essential and what people or workers are essential? Kind of remember, reminds me of uh, Nazi Germany. Essential worker, right? Uh, show me your papers. Um, but 
the abortion clinics that have been opened, uh, Planned Parenthood, um, it's just amazing to me that churches are closed, but abortion clinics are open. And you can go on down the list. Things just don't add up. But why is it, do you think, that uh, governors or maybe, I don't know who made the final call, that they said uh, Planned Parenthood should be open, these abortion clinics should stay open because, is it because they're under the guise of, quote, health or medical or what do you know about that? Well, you know, I think they like to claim that they're health care, right? Right. They like to claim that they're they're medical care. But I I think there's a couple of things, and and this is the reality. At uh, DHS, where these decisions and and mandates are coming from, you have Nicole Sapphire working there who used to work at Planned Parenthood. Oh, wonderful. you know, there, she's third in command at that particular, mm. uh, office. And, and certainly, uh, Governor Evers has always been a fan, right, of, of abortion. Yep. That's not a secret. Planned Parenthood, uh, certainly heavily invests in his campaign mm-hmm. and, and others. So I, I don't, I don't think they even blink in, in, their essential list and say, oh gosh, maybe, maybe Planned Parenthood and abortion facilities, maybe we should close those because are they using this protective equipment? Are they, are, how are they scheduling these people? Yet I look at other healthcare facilities who did close down, hmm. who really made some tough choices for patients who maybe needed that cancer treatment. And they close their doors during this time. Wow. Is that life different than the precious life of the unborn child? I, that's something that troubles me greatly during these times is why are they deciding one life is more valuable than another? Yes. They aren't. It's, it's actually scary. Um, there's a lot of confusion about life and it starts with life in the womb. Uh, when does a human life become human? When it, is a baby or a fetus? When is it a person? Um, it's it's really scary. I mean, we believe it's a human life at conception. We believe from when the way before even the heartbeat starts, and way before they can even feel pain. Um, but we need to re-educate America. It seems. What what are your insights on that? Oh, absolutely. You know, the younger generation is in a good spot because they've been around when technology has always been here. They can. See an unborn child, and this is what we know. When someone faces an unplanned pregnancy, they see that baby, they are far greater to accept life and choose life right. than someone who doesn't see that. Now, the problem is when our children, as you already stated, are in our public schools and Planned Parenthood is coming in to teach them. Yes. Well, what are they going to teach them? It's not what you and I believe and all your listeners so we have a, a tough job as a parent. I, I have four young children. We all have tough jobs mm-hmm. to ensure that they're being taught the right and knowing the right that life begins at conception. Now, thankfully, our children know that. But how do we get to those other kids? And parents, they're the, the main educator for our children, right? Parents at home. But if parents at home believe that life is not a life at the moment of conception, those are the people we need to change their hearts. We need to change right. their minds. And sometimes it's one by one, but that's how we need to continue to communicate with those people too and, and change how they see life. Yeah, because once they get into the public schools, they are being sold on sexual experimentation. And if it feels good, do it. I mean, there's no restraint. I'm not even sure if absence is still being taught at very many schools at all in the country today. What's wrong with that? Why can't they teach or why can't they even mention the word adoption if a girl gets pregnant? You know, they don't do that. They just give them a card for Planned Parenthood. Here, this will solve your problems. Right. And, you know, they always say they're, um, uh, they believe in choice. Well, no, they don't. They're giving people one option. Exactly. That's it. Yep. One choice. I believe in choice. This one. <laughs> That's right. the only and one you, you get. Agree. Um, if you don't agree, then you're wrong with me, right? Right. Um, Heather, th- there are um, just some disappointed uh, conservatives and Christians across the nation because of uh, what's happening in politics, particularly with elections. And Wisconsin, we had an election recently. The Supreme Court uh, was up. There was a seat up for grabs. The con- pro-life conservative uh, Dan Kelly, Justice Kelly, 
lost. And a lot of us were going, oh, man. Um, do you have any thoughts you can share about what happened? Was it because of the coronavirus fear-mongering that a lot of the maybe older, more seasoned voters who tend to be pro-life, maybe they stayed home or didn't vote? Did, did you hear anything about that? So we didn't hear too much about that, but I do think, you know, number one, we had one strike against us already, and that's because it was the Democrats obviously were were working for their primary preference during that time. Now, even though they had their known candidate already before it happened, I, I think what happened is, um, you know, sometimes we just aren't energized enough to realize what's at stake. Right, exactly. And, you know, what we saw with Justice Hagerdorn's campaign and how, it, you know, we all thought, well, we don't have a chance at this. And then it completely turned around. We won. We have another wonderfully pro-life justice on. And we knew we were going to have an uphill battle with Justice Kelly. Outside spending money really um, also plays an impact. That's um, right. I you know, and, and the virus, I think what happened, too, for some people, it was very confusing. Are the polls open? Are they closed? Am I yep. supposed to go in person? Am I supposed to request that absentee ballot? Do I have extra time? It was very confusing for people. Yeah, it and, was. And I think, you know, it just taught us a lesson. We've got a lot of work to do to ensure that this fall we are ready and we are prepared. And I think we saw a win in the 7th Congressional District last night. Yes. Now yeah. Congressman-elect Tom Tiffany. Um, so I, I think I think that also sends us a good signal of what's to come in the fall. Yes, I hope so. Um, we've got about two and a half, three minutes left with you. I, I do want to talk about um, the emergency grants that you mentioned before we got on the air. But do you know if COVID-19 and, and all that's happening with the coronavirus, you're in the Milwaukee area, um, is that affecting abortion clinics? Is that affecting the industry at all? Um, I see clips online of people, friends, uh, people that are protesting out silently praying outside of abortion clinics, and they seem as busy as ever. Um, but are they affected to your knowledge? I am going to say they probably have uh, more people calling them for appointments than prior to this. Um, I know on our side, uh, when we work with the pregnancy resource centers with women in an emergency and, and they need some funding for rent or their CARP or their utility payments, our requests have doubled during this time since what we would normally see in a, in a usual year. So that's telling me that people are they're facing these unplanned pregnancies. If that many more are going to pregnancy resource centers, I'm going to guess that those doors at the at, at the abortion clinics are quite busy. Mm-hmm. And they have been. We can still pray. We can still try to raise awareness about life. Um, Heather, that event again tonight, wrtl.org slash events. The people you said have until 4 o'clock. Until- 4 p.m. to register. Okay, and it is a virtual education fund dinner and auction with Sean Spicer. What else do people want to know about that? Uh, you'll receive a link once you once you register. If you're not available to watch it and it starts at 6.30 that night, it will be recorded. So that recorded link will be sent to you after the fact. Oh, great. So it's 6.30 to 8.30. And uh, again, Heather Weininger, Wisconsin Right to Life. Uh, did we miss anything? Because we still have like a minute and a half. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think what we all need to do is realize that just because we can't come together, whether we're praying outside abortion clinics, whether we're mm. raising funds together or or not, we are all fighting for life, and we need to continue to do it in every way that we can through prayer, through outreach, and support of one another. Thank you, Heather. And um, by the way, you've got a schedule of uh, Veritas Society receptions for 2020. Can you give, can you estimate right now when you might have the next one where people can actually attend in person? Can you give an idea maybe? Well, my hope is the ones that we have in July, we can be in person. Sheboygan, now, Appleton? Yes. Yes. And, and, you know, that's the way we're planning them for now. Okay. And if that's not possible, we'll switch those to virtual events. 
Um, you know, I see a lot of people canceling large events right now. We're not we're not ready to do that. As long as they give us the go ahead, we're going to meet in person. Awesome, awesome. Well, God bless you and your work, Heather. Oh, we will touch you. base. We'll connect with you and catch up again in the near future. But hopefully, the event tonight with Sean Spicer goes well. Wisconsin Right to Life, WRTL dot org. Heather, God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. Blessings to you. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. When we come back, we're going to connect with Julaine Appling of Wisconsin Family Council. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. So let's talk openly and honestly as Christians about faith versus fear. Let's consider how to respond to what's happening, whether that be the COVID-19, the business shutdowns, churches and decisions we need to make as individual Christians in our very different uh, churches, and also just what's happening in the courts. Be informed, but not alarmed. Trust the Lord, take precautions, live your life to the glory of God. Um, Julaine Appling of the Wisconsin Family Council, Wisconsin Family Action, is back with us on the podcast to discuss the breaking news from yesterday as the Wisconsin Supreme Court ruled to strike down Governor Tony Evers' extension of his own stay-at-home order. But here's a question. Uh, is it too late for the Wisconsin economy? We don't know. Uh, what about other states and their legal battles? The nation is truly divided over this, and it's a fact. Our lives have been changed by COVID-19. Question we won't know for a while. Have they been changed forever? Julian Appling, welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth. Good morning, David. Good to be with you. Yeah, good to be with you. It's a timely uh, <laughs> interviewer podcast to have you on with all of this going on. Let's jump right into some good news. Uh, first, uh, Pride Fest, Milwaukee is canceled due to coronavirus <laughs> concerns. I love it. Well, there's a silver lining to every cloud, right? <laughs> right. Um, you know, and, and I, I suspected this kind of thing might happen, to be honest, David, uh, in compliance with with orders if necessary, or just because people think it's prudent to do this. And so you're going to see, I suspect, most of the Pride Fest celebrations in Milwaukee and uh, Madison and all across the state probably mm-hmm. shut down. And and that is a good byproduct. Uh, it's unfortunate that in this kind of broad, uh, you know, bread, uh, brush stroke that we have on the orders, everybody gets caught up in it because while Pride Fest goes away, so do a lot of other really good things. Yeah, that's true. That that we have, but you know what? Any time that the um, homosexual lifestyle, the transgender push, the 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 um, oh, I'm going to call it what I would as because this is what God says. It's sinful lifestyle. All right. Yep. Any time that is not on broad public display, that's a good thing for every community. Yes. Yes, so thankfully that's done, at least for the year, maybe. Um, a lot of good hey, news. Hey, David. Yes, go ahead. Dave, before you go on there, I, I, I want to prepare the people of Wisconsin. Because Pride Fest gets canceled in various communities does not mean that the governor will not put that gay pride flag back up above the on the flagpole right. over the state capitol. I, I was asked recently, you know, what can we do to stop him? Well, in 2022, you get to stop him. Okay? Vote. But, but that you vote because he has the authority to do that. Elections have consequences. So I just want to forewarn people that this, this coronavirus isn't going to stop the governor from running that flag up the flagpole again. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for that. We need a state by state. We need to pay attention to what our governors are in some cases, our emperors are doing (laughs) in our states. Hey, the big breaking news, Julaine, let's jump right in here. The Supreme Court uh, overruled Governor Evers. Uh, his stay-at-home order, and a lot of uh, outlets are reporting that. National outlets are reporting that. But here's the thing I need you to clarify for our listeners. We are in Brown County, and apparently there's a health officer that enacted a county-wide safer-at-home order following the Supreme Court ruling. Can you explain how all this is going to work? Well, I'm going to do my best. And full disclaimer, David, you know it. I'm not an attorney. I work with attorneys a lot. And mm-hmm. as immediately after the Supreme Court decision was released yesterday, around five o'clock, I'm doing emails and, and exchanges with our attorneys who are constitutional experts trying to get a handle on exactly what this order and this opinion meant. Um, they did, as you said, on a four three vote. That is making national news, as you know, as you pointed out, mm-hmm. David, uh, they, they said that Governor Evers, through his designated um, secretary of uh, Department of Health Services here in Wisconsin, 
they do not have the authority to basically shut down the state through an emergency order issued by the secretary of, of the department. And so um, immediately after that, that opinion was rendered, well, shortly thereafter, within a two hours anyway, up popped Dane County with a full list of stay-at-home orders. So I'm immediately asking the attorneys, can they do this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, well, apparently there is uh, some authority given to county uh, health departments to do certain things when there is a public health crisis. And so the attorney said, yes, they can. Now, it is what I was told was they cannot just replicate or duplicate the emergency order 28 that the court struck down. So um, I think what's happened, David, is look, when, when the governor and the secretary Palm did the extension of this order, uh, emergency order 28, they knew good and well it was going to be challenged in court. And then if it went to the Supreme Court, they were, they were DOA because that's how that court is comprised. And so they, they have all had contingency plans. And I suspect all the counties have put, had planned for this and had put in place, okay, here's what we believe in our county is appropriate. Because the second county that popped up was your county, Brown County. They were prepared. And to be honest with you, David, I would be shocked if all 70 other counties don't do the same thing. Now, here's what I hope. I hope counties like where I live in Jefferson County, where we have much, much lower numbers than you do in Brown County or in Milwaukee or Dane County, for instance. Mm-hmm. I hope that our orders coming out of the county health department looks very different from what Brown County's does. You know, and I'm not saying I agree with Brown counties. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying there is a, there is authority there to do some, some kind of rules, orders, regulations, um, that will impact businesses and churches and, you know, life. And so what we won't know for sure is the extent of those orders. Uh, how far can they go legally? Right. I'm guessing that we're going to see a series of lawsuits. Oh, boy. Um, one thing, <laughs> here's another thing to, to cloudy this up a little bit. I am frustrated because if what the Supreme Court decided in a 4-3 decision that uh, Emperor Evers' order was, quote, invalid and therefore unenforceable, it was being enforced up until the court decided. Isn't that frustrating to anybody else but me? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it's very frustrating, and I found it frustrating that knowing the urgency of all of this and the timeline that was in front of us, that the court had oral arguments a week ago this past Tuesday, and it was a week and a day before we got and before we got the final decision. Now, when I saw how many opinions were written as a part of that total um, decision, David, it made sense. You had the majority opinion. You had a concurring opinion from the chief justice who authored the main opinion. You had concurring opinions from Rebecca Bradley. You had a concurring opinion from uh, Dan Kelly. You had dissenting opinions from uh, two other justices. And so you had all, there was 165 pages of legal, of legal writing done. That, that doesn't happen overnight. Mm. And I think that was part of the delay for everybody to sort through who was going to dissent and, you know, where everybody was going to land. Yeah. And so, um, but we have it. And I do want to point out to the people that are listening, there was some question about whether or not the, um, the order would be allowed to stay in place through May 20th, a week from yesterday. And that is not true. The the uh, orders the, the decision said basically effective immediately emergency order twenty eight was no longer in place. That's why you had businesses and taverns and bars and restaurants and stuff opening as immediately yeah. immediately <laughs> yes immediately. I don't blame them. Um, in the Washington Examiner, which um, let's clarify, uh, you uh, I encourage people to read the Washington Examiner, the Washington Times. Stay away from the Washington <laughs> Compost. Um, if Evers and Republicans can't work out a replacement plan, it says individual counties could implement their own regulations into response in response yep. to this, and that's what we're seeing happening. Which that's what's creating some confusion, county to county. Um, Julaine, um, our economy has taken a massive hit. Not it, Wisconsin is not as bad as some states like Illinois that wants the federal bailout. But there's a song back in when I was growing up in the '70s, Kansas put out called "Point of No Return." Is our economy teetering? Are we at that point? What's your speculation on that? 
Well, I want to point out something before I direct that, uh, directly address that, David. Mm-hmm. There is a bill being considered that models, um, is modeled after what Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce has put out as a viable plan. And that would be that, for instance, in Brown County, their businesses and churches would, would go through a rating system periodically that would self-administer and they would be considered moderate risk. Uh, uh, substantial risk or, um, let's see, minimals, a moderate or substantial risk. And they would have certain things that they could do within each of those parameters. Now, that's what this legislature will be considering, I believe, as early as next week, maybe even the, yet this week. And that will probably go to the governor. Now, that is all, that is all coming from the state's leading business group, if you will, because that business group is very concerned about the point of no return. Mm, yeah. <laughs> okay. And, and, this, and their whole, their whole idea was, look, the, um, Milwaukee County is not Jefferson, is not Brown, is not Vilas, is, you know, in Florence or wherever. Every county is a little bit different and businesses are different within those counties and businesses should be able to figure it out and, and operate, uh, within a certain parameter but not be shut down indefinitely. Mm -hmm. I don't think we've reached the point of no return in general here, David. Mm -hmm. I think there are some businesses that will not be able to bounce back. I think they've been shuttered too long. I get concerned about, for instance, um, restaurants that haven't figured out how to do curbside service, Mm. you know, or or pickup or or delivery or something. Look, not every restaurant was set up to do that. I get concerned about other, other types of businesses like, and, you know, maybe small gift shops and, and some things, especially in our tourist industry areas, maybe, maybe being closed for two months and no online presence, because not every business is geared for that either. Yeah. Maybe they've gone too far. I, I hope not. I know that they're telling me that um, we have spent our rainy day fund here in Wisconsin, that we had worked so hard under the Walker administration, yes. you know, to start banking money. So I, uh, um, it's time to it's time to open Wisconsin for business again in a responsible way. But don't you think, David, that most businesses and churches are very well equipped to say, "I think we can do business safely by doing this, that, or the other thing." I don't think anybody's interested in being part of of, of spreading the virus or taking unnecessary risk. And I, but I think there are we have good, smart creative people out there in Wisconsin who who can do this. Right. Um, We can use wisdom and caution. You know, the elderly and immune compromised could still, you know, remain at home or whatever they decide. We we can follow social distancing guidelines. We can go to church. We need to come together. We're adults, not children. Uh, Julian, uh, there's two questions. It's like... uh, Two sides of this coin, the left seems to be asking, oh, we can't, or, or, what if we open too soon? And the right, I guess, or some people are saying, what if we reopen the economy too late? So there's a good article at American Thinker I'm going to put in today's podcast notes, but I would love your thoughts on that. This, I mean, hindsight probably is going to be 2020 on this, right? Well, it, well, I hope, I, you know, I don't look, we are, this is such a different place. <laughs> yes. I, I wake up every morning and think, oh, this is a wonderful day. And then I go, oh yeah, this is, we're, we're not under normal <laughs> situations and how does right. life work? And so, so I, I'm going to be very candid here, David. I, several weeks ago, uh, pro- probably a month ago, my mental attitude changed from being very concerned about the spread of the virus to the killing of our country, mm. to, to the annihilation yeah. of the, of our, our free enterprise, our capitalism, our free country, our ability to independ- to, to operate as independent citizens and, and to not be completely governed by our government, if you will. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, cast, talk negative, I guess, ascribe evil motives to people who may not have them. I do believe there's a legitimate concern about this virus. I'm not minimizing that, but I do think that there are people whose worldview, David, are all, when they came into the virus situation, their worldview predetermined 
that this would be the approach they take. Shut down everything. Put everybody under government control. Nobody does anything without government saying it's okay. Um, that's not President Trump's approach. That's not some of the better governor's approach. That's not, you know, some of the local leaders' approach. But that is the approach of many that are what I would put in that liberal progressive uh, category because their worldview is not that God is in control, that God is the author of freedom, that human beings are free and independent ages, a- agents under the authority, not of government but ultimately, but of an almighty holy God. Mm. And, and they believe government is basically the answer to any question you want to ask. So um, they fear that, number one, you lose control if you open it up. And their, their fear approach to life is, oh, my word, you know, what if, what if the virus gets completely out of control? Uh, my cynicism says part of this is if they start talking about opening it up, then they know they lose control and mm. they don't want to do that. I'm going to uh, tell you the next part of my cynicism. <laughs> I believe the people in that category are very much interested in dragging all of this out until eight until november 4th of course i that's i do i i think that the signs are there now i i think the the conservatives are saying who believe in free enterprise and capitalism and you know the constitutional rights and freedoms that our u.s constitution our state constitutions give us um are saying just what the president said when this all started i think what he said was beautiful america was not designed to be shuttered Mm, that's right. We, we aren't designed that way. We're designed to be able to be creative and uh, and entrepreneurial and and productive and work and not be given everything and and paid to not work. And you know, this is I don't want another stimulus, David. Right. I know. How, how are we going to ever recover from this debt? How do right. we do that? Right. We weren't designed to be shuttered, and even the, more foundational than that, we as human beings were created to work and worship our God. Um, Collectively. (laughs) Yes, yes. Um, Real quick, we've got two minutes. We've got to take a break. But um, here's the great unknown, Julaine. When it comes to November, how many people, whether that be independents or whatever, would actually blame everything that's happening worldwide with COVID-19 and then the American economy and the shutdowns on President Trump and not vote for him. That's the great unknown and that they would cast a vote for, I don't even think Joe Biden's going to be the nominee, but I could be wrong. What are your thoughts on that? You got a minute. Well, it, 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 I don't know what that number is, but I'll tell you what. There are people who, no matter what it is, will blame Trump and they will never vote for him, even if he were somehow able to, to pull a rabbit out of the hat and mm-hmm. make the COVID-19 situation go away completely, immediately, never again to right. encroach on America's borders. Right. They still wouldn't vote for him. That's idolatry. Okay? Well, it is idolatry and it's, you know, hatred in the extreme form. Um, but, but so we, what we don't know is where are those numbers? Now, if you look at the president's approval rating right now, he's not doing too badly, which is amazing. Um, it is. And I, I tell you what, I give him all the kudos in the world for being able to get up every morning and face all this. You talk about a burden and a responsibility and the gravity of all of the decisions that he's making. Oh my goodness. And the warfare. So, yeah, You know, um, we, we all have choices to make. And uh, by the way, uh, David, it's going to be pretty much a binary choice in November because <laughs> the people who will run as libertarians or Green Party or Socialist Party or some you know constitution party as for, on the presidential ballot, the, the numbers are ridiculously low, ridiculously low. Mm-hmm. So you're going to come down to a binary choice between a Republican and a Democrat. That's just the way it's going to be. Yep. Yep. And I encourage our Christian friends to please evaluate the party platforms from the perspective of the Bible. More with Julian Appling when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Julian Appling, Wisconsin Family Action, Wisconsin Family Council is with us today. Before we get into some muck and mire again, Julian, of the <laughs> news cycle, uh, more good news. A Wisconsin election took place Tuesday. Tell us about that. 
Well, this was another one of those Evers bungles, though, <laughs> Governor Evers bungles. You might recall, look, Sean Duffy had represented that uh, district, the 7th uh, Congressional District, since 2010. And he stepped down in late September because he needed more time with his family and their mm-hmm. new baby. Mm-hmm. And so the governor's then it's on him to call for a special election to fill that seat. I want our listeners to understand, and here's your civics lesson for the day. Uh, members of the House of Representatives, the U.S. House of Representatives, stand for election every two years. So this year, in 2020, we will have, in addition to the presidential election, we will be voting on all eight of our congressional uh, members here in our state, right? So so it's September and the year before, and the governor says, okay, well, let's have a special election. Well, he tries to do it politically, and he bungled it because he put the primary for that seventh uh, seventh uh, congressional district special election to and the general election too close together. Hmm. So then he had to drop back and punt. So he put the pro- <laughs> yeah. So he put the primary for that in February, and then the special the actual general election in May on May twelfth this past Tuesday. So it's just been it's been a real a real problem from the get go. And in the middle, of course, we had all the COVID virus COVID nineteen issue. And then we had, you know, the absentee ballot discussion, the early in person. But it's just all of this. So what was the outcome? Yes, on Tuesday of this week, uh, Tom Tiffany, the Republican candidate, who is actually right now a state senator, uh, won on a, about a 53, I think it was 57-43 vote. Wow. Over, yeah, over Trisha Zunker. Now, Trisha Zunker um, has ties to uh, one of the Native American uh, tribes through her history, through her history which is kind of cool. And but she is a very liberal uh, individual from the on the Democratic from the Democratic Party, and she's also the current president of the Wausau School Board. And oh, she has boy. made some flamingly liberal uh, decisions and and statements as that president. So uh, here's what's going to happen: Tom Tiffany will now be sworn in as a member of the U.S. House of Representatives. But here's the kicker: All right, we're well, right now they're not meeting in Washington very much at all. But second. Tom still has to go through an election again in November huh? because he is only now filling the time between May 12th or whenever he actually gets officially sworn in and uh, December 30th. Wow. All right. So in order to serve a full two-year term, he is now required to stand for election in November just as if he had been uh, serving for the whole two years. So he's got to stay in campaign and election mode right. constantly. Well, he's got some momentum so, now. <laughs> yep. Hey, look, Tom, Tom Tiffany's been a good senator. He, he's uh, been good on pro-life issues. He's been good on family Praise issues. God. He's a business owner up in that area mm-hmm. and a good family man. And so I, I anticipate that Tom will be a very good a member of Congress for his constituents there in the 7th uh, uh, Congressional District, as well as all of Wisconsin citizens. Okay, Julaine, next topic real quick. We're going out to Washington State and things that are happening um, state to state, turning neighbor against neighbor, allowing anonymous complaints to be weaponized as the basis for uh, harassment by code enforcement officers. Um, Governor Inslee, I love how Heidi St. John, she always says, <laughs> Emperor Inslee, uh, his informant <laughs> army, uh, they have a snitch list. But then I thought, okay, that's Washington, right? Liberal Washington. And then I go, uh-oh, I see this uh, article, State of Wisconsin Government Jobs Announcement. <laughs> Wisconsin Department of Health Services, Division of Public Health, DH, DPH, is recruiting a large team of contact tracers to assist in tracking. And this is here, friends, in the Midwest. Uh, Jelaine, your thoughts on these stories? Well, look, um, actually, Dane County and the city of Madison, immediately after all this COVID stuff started happening, they actually had a spot on their website, David, to report people? encouraging people to report yeah. friends and neighbors and business owners and organizations who they, who the person viewing them thought they were in violation of the orders. So um, they got so much guff on it, <clears throat> excuse me, they took it down. But the governor is now advertising and, and I want to stop there because I, I want, you, you pointed out something I think we need to make sure our listeners understand. According to Wisconsin law, the governor and has vested the Department of Health Services in our state as the primary agency for administering the orders, if you will, and even issuing orders. And so all the departments and, and you know things underneath that Department of Health Services have this authority. And so the governor, through his, uh, uh, you know, 
delegates there. And because look, these are unelected people, but they are appointed by someone who's elected the governor. All right. Uh, elections have consequences, folks, mm-hmm. but th- they're now advertising. Um, well, I'm going to tell you what our, one of our staff members, did. she said they're hiring snitches. Um, yeah. <laughs> but that's what they're doing. They're, they're putting, well, they are, <laughs> and they're putting it under the contact, the, the, in the context of these contact tracers and people don't, I'm not sure people understand that, David, no. but if I came down with COVID, all right, and, and I got reported into the system, which of course you would be, then they would come and talk to me and find out all the people that I've had any contact with over a certain period of time. They would go and find all those people and all the people they've had contact with and on and on and on. They're paying 20 bucks an hour here in Wisconsin to do that. Wow. So um, this is another, let's not miss this. This is another another element of control. And, and how far do we let it go? Where does it, where does the fear factor become so big that it results in the violation of our constitutional rights and freedoms? They do not have carte blanche to invade all of our privacy and to capture everything about us. I don't, I, I personally think that we're on that very close edge there. Yes. Uh, You know, you don't, you don't, you don't. Those things, in fact, there's another court case that's out there before our Supreme Court right now here in Wisconsin that's about religious freedom. And, and that's really the, the, the two individuals who brought it said, and through their attorneys said, look, the founders wrote the Constitution to make sure it could manage crises and emergencies, hmm. not to be set aside yep. in a crisis and an emergency. Uh, Julian, five more minutes. Um, I've been very disappointed in our part of the state here in the Green Bay, uh, Fox Cities area of the local media reporting on all things COVID-19. One example. I mean, th- I get this head, this email uh, update every day from one of the local channels. I don't want to put one on the spot because I think they're all doing uh, below average job of reporting on this. And it just seems like they're they're sensationalizing, stoking the fears. Here's one example that just came out uh, Tuesday. Pulaski Assisted Living Facility, that's in Wisconsin, describes response to COVID-19 outbreak. It says the facility had its first confirmed confirmed case, because we know in New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, 52% of the deaths from COVID-19 are in nursing homes, which is horrific. But anyway, uh, Pulaski, Wisconsin, had its first confirmed case. It put its emergency protocol in place. The virus spread to other residents and the staff. This led to Country Villa contacting local medical staffing agencies as well as state officials. He, uh, it was difficult to find enough workers because of the general shortage of qualified people. And eventually, it says, the facility was able to find enough workers to double the usual amount of staff. I'm thinking, is this like New York City? And then the very <laughs> last line of the article, Julian, it says, he did not say how many total cases country villa had so there's no no numbers there's no names there's no data in this article but yet they put this out there and this is a green bay uh news station is what is it like in in your part of the state i know your madison area which is probably awful as well well it's it's similar you know they look these are people who are are uh, capitalizing on the fear factor and quite honestly david i know is if somebody who works in the media all the time Ugh. this is not surprising or shocking to us no, this is where they've been going it's it's very sad and it is hurting rather than helping mm-hmm. good people are on both sides of this issue let's be honest there are people who say that are good solid christians who david you and i would have wonderful fellowship with right mm-hmm. but they have they are fearful yeah. And they think the state should remain closed. There are other people on the other side. But when the paper, com- when, when the journalists come out, whether regardless of the medium, and, and they, ca- they try to use the fear factor to make people want to stay more subjugated to government, we have a problem. And when they don't support it with facts and they do shoddy journalism, that they hurt their profession. But more importantly, they hurt the general public by not giving them accurate information that yes. lets them make responsible decisions. It's a disservice to the American people when, when, when the media does not do their job. Uh, well, anyway, the principles. That's why are, you have a president that calls it fake news. Yeah. And I, you know, yeah, that's why that there's a whole movement uh, because of that. Um, now, it's the Supreme Court is hearing arguments or actually heard arguments yesterday in a case that could affect 
the outcome of the 2020 election and all future presidential elections at the heart of the case, the Electoral College. Jelaine, we've got two and a half minutes roughly for you to give us uh, just your thoughts on this case. Sure. Let me say, first of all, I think the Electoral College, as it is conceived, was conceived by our founders, is brilliant. It makes sure that small states, large states all have some say in determining who is going to be the president of the United States. And we do away with it and tweak it and all that to our peril. So what the Supreme Court is hearing is what are, involves what they call faithless electors, mm -hmm. because when we vote for president, we're really voting for a slate of people who will then turn around and cast their vote as a part of the Electoral College to, uh, to elect the next president. There are uh, in our state, the electors are supposed to vote. And by the way, each party gives a slate of electors. So if the popular vote in Wisconsin goes to had gone to Hillary Clinton, the Democrats who were appointed as the uh, electors would have each then gathered in, Oct in um, December to cast their votes for them. And if the one of them had dissented and said, I'm not voting for Hillary Clinton, I'm voting, for I'm casting my electoral vote for, for Donald Trump. The question is, it, what, what happens to that vote? Hmm. Well, in, in Wisconsin, according to our law, for, with no penalty, that vote gets counted as it was cast. What the Supreme Court is hearing is, what is the legal what, how do you handle people who dis, who depart from what is expected? Hmm. All right. So expected. if you have in our state, we have uh, 10 electoral votes. We have eight congressional districts and two senators. And that's how we get our electoral votes. We have 10 of them. So we have 10 people, 10 Republicans, 10, 10 Democrats who are ready to go. And if, if eight of the Republicans, let's say, decide, OK, we're going to we're going to give our votes to Donald Trump because he won the popular vote in 2016. And two said, oh, no, no, I'm not doing that. I'm I'm casting mine for whoever uh, is that legal can that actually happen mm -hmm. because think about how that could go and how that could affect the electoral college if you don't have some standards there right right could, un, it could gut it right could so, absolutely gut it and just to clarify this is this case is not a wisconsin case this is no. the united states supreme court they're considering this so uh Jelaine, and i believe it didn't it come out of Utah's? Where'd the case come from, David? I can't remember the state that it came out of. But I, I don't it, don't can't think of it right now. It'll but, have national ramifications. Yes, it will. One minute left, Julena. I I know uh, uh, you do not take government funding, and I want to know how <laughs> how is all this COVID nineteen and the shutdown? How has everything affected Wisconsin Family Action, and how can people donate to you? Well, thank you, David, for that. We're, um, by God's grace, we're still here. We're able to continue our work, albeit it's a little bit different because we're working more from home than in the office, of course. And, uh, you know, we know that a lot of our donors are going to be affected by this. So, you know, um, we're just, we're, we're praying that God in his mercy and grace will continue to meet our needs. And, and if people are interested in partnering with us so we can continue to protect and strengthen and preserve marriage, family, life and liberty, uh, religious liberty in particular, um, they can jump on our website at wifamilyaction.org or give us a call at 888-378-7395. Thank you. Julian Appling, we'll talk to you again soon. God bless you. Stay healthy. And we'll talk uh, hopefully in the near future. Thank you, David. We love you folks there at Q90. God right. bless. I love you too. We will have uh, more on uh, the rest of the week and the guests, actually the guests tomorrow being Friday, coming up next. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. Tomorrow, we get a pastor's perspective on COVID-19 and what's happening worldwide from Dr. Andy Woods. And, of course, we will be touching on the book of Revelation. Uh, Monday, Israel Wayne. He's got a book, Answers for Homeschooling, and another book, more recent, Raising Them Up, Parenting for Christians. That's Monday, Tuesday, Spirit of Error Ministry. Holly Pivik will be back with us. But I can't wait to talk to Andy Woods tomorrow. We've got several of his books that we've talked to him about and, uh, man, so much to discuss from that biblical worldview. So thank you so much for tuning in and always for sharing our podcasts on social media. God bless you and keep speaking the truth about things that matter.